Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, Channel 10 caught out lying to viewers again. Stan Gran ejects an audience member from Q&A, but is it time Q&A was ejected? And it's official, Neighbours has been axed. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is TV Black Box bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there and welcome to TV Black Box. It's a bit of a mixed bag this week, but we can always rely on the main man, Mulk, is with us. Hello, Mulk. Hello, Rob. I'm coming to you live from the TV Black Box Sausage Factory. I'm looking forward (laughs) to a very good podcast tonight. Keep pumping it out, baby. (laughs) Also, speaking of pumping it out, Robbo, David Robin, Robbo Robinson is with us. Hello, Robbo. I know it's only been a short time that we've worked together, but it is Robinson. Great to to be with you, Dom (laughs) McDay. What did I say? I don't know, but I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to pump it out. Yes, well, we're looking forward to you pumping it out. Someone who really does pump it out in the world of tabloid magazines is none other than Philip Koch. Hello, Philip. Hi, Rob. How are you? How many stories have you done on Warnie this week, mate? Uh, I'm working on my seventh. <laughs> and they're all really nice stories, I would hasten to add. Oh, of course. We love Warnie. We love Warnie. We'll get to that in a moment. And making his debut on the podcast is TV Black Box contributor Matthew Simmons. Hello, woo! Matthew. Hello. How how, woo, how we doing? The call up. Good. It's good to have you here. Yeah. Um, the fill in tonight. So hopefully I can bring the Aaron and Sarah energy all in one. So let's go. No pressure. No <laughs> pressure at all. And on this International Women's Day, it's so great to have. <laughs> So many women on the show. Exactly. By the time it goes out, we're past International Women's Day, so we don't have oh, to well do Oh, well, that any- makes it all better, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a bit of a sausage factory here. Small wieners, but, you know, a sausage factory. <laughs> hey. Little Frankfurts. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's move on because it's the news that continues to rock both the entertainment and sporting worlds. Shane Warne was larger than life with millions of fans both on and off the pitch. It's been revealed the sudden death of the cricketing icon was due to natural causes. He was a man who transcended sport and was a fixture on our screens, usually as a commentator or a guest on various shows, but at one stage he even had his own TV show simply titled Warney. Thank you. Hello and welcome to everyone. It's been, a, shall we say, a big week. Just a little bit. Yes, it's been a massive week. Actually, there's a reason I've got my whites on. I've been out the back practising and uh, I tell you what, I'm in pretty ordinary form. I bowled some uh, double bounces, some full tosses. So the Ashes come back, although it's very flattering for people to say, would you like to come back and play? I'd love to be out there, but uh, the double bounces and full tosses aren't working. So there's no... 
a big no to an Ashes comeback. So, sorry to disappoint. Yes, well, I'm sorry to disappoint everyone, but I'm sure the Aussies will do well in Perth over the next four days. Uh, not, now, for anyone else who's interested in anything else, uh, I'm fine. I'm actually doing OK. Uh, my family's great too. My kids are fantastic. I've even got Brooke and her friend Bree in the audience tonight. Let's have a look on what's on tonight's show. Oh, Mog. Great, great cricketer, shit, shit host. But we remember Warney for all the great things he did. But I'll tell you the thing that came to me about that TV show that I still remember to this day, and I think that was back in 2010 or something. Mm. But the people he had on his show were all very, very famous people, world international names. And the thing I took away, and especially with Chris Martin from Coldplay, was Mm. they looked at Warney the way we look at them. They revered him. Sure. They were starstruck. Yep. You know what I mean? Well, thank you for ending with a question, Rob, because I wasn't sure what you were going to ask me. I do know what you mean. Thank you. Uh, I'm intrigued by the the Warney kind of oeuvre that has played out this last week. It's sad passing anyone to to pass away at reasonably such a young age. And I've been deeply heartened by some of the really warm, what have been up until now, very private anecdotes about Mm. people's interactions with Shane Warne and what that's meant. Um, I agree with you that as a TV host, he made a great spin bowler. Uh, (laughs) And I just, look, I asked before the podcast, um, the the team here, 10 bucks to whoever guessed, um, was Warney's first guest on his TV show. Anybody? No, I thought it was Chris Martin, but you said it wasn't. It wasn't Chris Martin. Anyone else want to have a go? Donald Bradman. It wasn't Donald Bradman, but thanks for playing Robbo. Um, silence from the other quarters. Hang on, hang Eddie on. Eddie Maguire. It, no, it, but almost. It was in a hotel. It was sure. on, uh, it, like, at the Star or something like mm-hmm. that. Or, mm-hmm. um, Warmer. I. So it was a pre-record. It wasn't live in the studio. Correct. But I cannot, for the life of me, figure who it was. The man who bankrolled his TV program, James Packer. James Packer! What a way to start your late-night chat show with a chat with the boss. Um, mm. And it wasn't even that interesting. He didn't even, I mean, Warney wasn't one to ask really insightful questions uh, and James wasn't one to give up too much information. So, really, it's no surprise it was cancelled before its final episode, though Nine did deny that it was cancelled due to poor ratings. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Philip, we we are we're, we're being um, a little flippant regarding the TV flippant. hosting, but sorry, um, <laughs> but we he he was an amazing Australian, and, and he's totally due. He, he deserves all the respect he's had. You mentioned a moment ago that you've done lots of articles. There's a big appetite, and he touched so many lives. Uh, well, I think I think the thing about Shane Warne, he was one of the most famous men in the world. You know, cricket. Cricket, I should say, crosses all boundaries. You know, you 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 had people like Ed Sheeran and, and many many others, Elton John. They're all cricket mm. fans, so to them, Shane Warne was a god. And let's face it, he lived his life a bit like a rock god. You know, and he crossed into those, you know, he, cricket rock god, and also he had these superstars falling at his feet. It was pretty amazing. And on top mm. of that, as we found out this week, or I suppose we've known for a long time. He was an amazing dad. His children are obviously um, completely shattered by his loss. 
Uh, and even even his ex-wife Simone, who obviously um, rode that roller coaster for a while uh, before his final cheating scandal ruined their marriage, has come out saying some really lovely things this week as well. I mm. think I think the thing about Warney is very flawed man. He would tell you that himself, but he owned all his mistakes, and people forgave him those mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's official. The moving vans are heading for Australia's most famous cul-de-sac. With Fremantle failing to find a UK broadcasting partner, Neighbours will fade from our screens later this year. The desperate search began after Channel 5 decided to drop the long-running soap. The series ran for almost 37 years and close to 9,000 episodes. Production will finish up in June with the last of the episodes scheduled to air in September this year in Australia, but in August in the UK. Robert, you've actually been on the neighbour set quite a few times. What are your thoughts about its demise? Well, this is really sad. This is a, a stalwart of Australian television and it's it's just it's part and parcel of who we are. It's almost like we haven't been Australian TV without Neighbours. I know it only started in the 80s and it had been around for 30 years, but really Neighbours is synonymous with, with television. And I've read a few articles over the last couple of weeks where they say that Neighbours was really a training ground for both actors and producers and production assistants and production coordinators and scriptwriters, mm. and so to lose that will actually have a quite a large impact on the industry as a whole and it is very sad the, the thing that i find right is uh, your paramount owns your channel 10 your paramount owns your channel 5 your paramount are the people that we should be blaming for this disgusting murder, this this attack on Australian television. Murder. It is awful. These these international blow-ins coming Robo, here. And they it take- was a wounded dog that needed to be put down. Let's be honest. The moment Channel 5 said they weren't renewing it, and fair on Channel 5, they've gone from daily, you know, in the live viewing of over, you know, 2 million or a million viewers uh, in, in each session you know, the 130 session and the 530 session, another million, to like in the 200,000s. The simple fact is they were investing a lot of money. When they nicked the rights from BBC in, in 2008, I want to say, they paid a lot of money. It's not a good return on investment at the moment. And I said it, I think in the very first episode of this podcast this year when it came out, there was no way any other broadcaster was going to come and save this. And despite Channel 10 saying, well, we want the series to continue, yeah, great, but you're not putting up the money. Matthew, it was never going to survive, and it is sad, but it was a wounded dog, and it's being treated like shit here. 10 can go on and say whatever they want, but the fact is they bumped it off to a digital channel years ago. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to agree. I mean, we used to watch Neighbours and Home and Away um, as a family, but the moment it went to um, Eleven, which is Ten Shake Now, that was that was really the end of us watching it. I, I'm not too sure why we didn't. Ten Peach Now. Ten Peach Now. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure why why that's why we stopped watching it, but it, it is. So it, I, I do think it's an end, end of an era. It's sad for a lot of people, but you're right. It, it needed to get put down. I, I don't I don't see it lasting that much longer anyway um it's not it's not a surprising decision that no one else has picked it up yeah look and the simple fact is that home and away survives home and away is still very strong it's running a good race and so full props to channel 7 and the home and away team for making that show work and not being completely reliant 
on a overseas broadcaster. The show works in Australia, seven make money from it, and then sell it off and that's all gravy. Or maybe it covers some production costs. Yeah. But it's not reliant on the overseas broadcast partner. But do you actually think, though, that if the overseas broadcasting partners of Home and Away, if they pulled out, the seven network is not going to keep Home and Away in production? I think it would go the same way as Neighbours. I think it hurts, but I, I don't think seven are as reliant on the overseas sales as Fremantle was to keep Neighbours going. Which I understand that, but I also think that the moment any money pulls out of that, I just can't see Seven doing it. I I think it would be a major problem, but I think Seven are a little bit more self-sufficient. All right. Well, the Russians might be going in, but Stan Grant is clear he wants them out. Well, of the studio audience anyway. There were explosive scenes in the Q&A studio last week when the host spectacularly kicked out an audience member after they they asked this pro-Russia question. Thank you, guys. Um, So as someone who comes from the Russian community here in Australia, I've been pretty outraged by the narrative created by our media depicting the Ukraine as the good guy and Russia as the bad guy. Believe it or not, there are a lot of Russians here and around the world that support what Putin uh, is doing in the Ukraine, myself included. Uh, Since 2014, uh, the Ukrainian government, together with Nazi groups like the Azov Battalion, have besieged the Russian populations in the Donbass, killing an estimated 13,000 people, according to the United Nations. That's late. That's late. Could I finish? Just, just, just quick, quick, quickly finish, and then, and then we'll come to yeah, that yeah. and put that to the panel. So my, my question is, you know, where was your outpouring of grief and concern for those thousands of mostly Russians? Um, okay. When, when, when you mention when you mention the thirteen thousand, yeah. um, the United Nations has listed thirteen thousand total people killed yeah. since the conflict. But you're trying you're trying to suggest that is Russians killed by Ukrainians, and I think we need to point out that that the United Nations has pointed out there is 13,000 killed since the conflict began in 2014. So we need to be very clear on that. Yeah. Um, can, 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 I yeah. just, can I just put this now, leaving aside your, your personal views on this, can I just put that question, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you, Jason, on this. So incensed was Stan Grant that he evicted that audience member 20 minutes later when everything else had moved on. Sasha's question earlier about Russia and it's been playing on my mind and Sasha people here have been talking about family who are suffering and people are dying and I understand you wanted to ask your question about is there some reasoning for this but you supported what's happening hearing that people are dying and can I just say I'm just not comfortable with you being here could could you please leave it's really no Sasha I'm sorry you 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 can ask a question you can ask a question but we cannot advocate violence I should have asked you to leave then it's been playing on my mind and I'm sorry but I have to ask you to leave please okay could I no 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 please 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 just 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 out of respect just no please we're not having the conversation Sasha we, we can't have people advocating violence and I should have asked you to leave it's been playing on my mind I wanted to have a, a proper conversation about these things but I have to ask you to leave I'm really sorry okay I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for that but you know these things happen it's live television you think about these things it's really been troubling me that we can have a conversation and we can look at where, th- where, where the arguments are and we can try to look at the sides of the argument 
We can't have, have that, and I'm, I'm sorry. It should have happened earlier. Sasha left when asked but told news.com.au the following day he found the whole episode to be unprofessional and I couldn't agree more. Now, kids, you might want to go to your bedrooms and block your ears because I think Mummy and Daddy, Mulky and Robbie, are going to have a bit of a discussion here based on our Twitter account over the week. Okay, Mum. <laughs> so... Here is my issue with the whole scenario. Please. The guy gave a viewpoint and a question. The panel dealt with it very fairly. You know, they challenged him. They challenged what he was saying. When he was asking his question, he got yelled over. Stan Grant then 20 minutes, and I have confirmed with the ABC, it was Stan Grant's decision, not a producer in his ear. Stan Grant makes the decision to eject this member who wasn't protesting, wasn't yelling out, wasn't interrupting, was sitting there like a good corporate citizen watching the rest of the show. And yet it's decided because we didn't like his question and he was making some, his question made some people feel uncomfortable, he had to leave. This is the biggest load of crock that I've ever heard. We live in a free democratic society where you are allowed or should be allowed to express your views. These questions are vetted. Now, next time, next time someone on the political sphere, on the left or right, doesn't ask the question as per the card that they've written out, are they going to be objected? This is absolutely ridiculous. And if Q&A can't have a proper grown-up discussion when people disagree with them, it has no place on Australian television. Let's be honest, this show has jumped the shark a long time ago, but this is the spear right into the heart of the shark. It's bleeding. The ABC should cut its losses and get rid of this turd because it's a stinker. Are you done? Yeah. (laughs) As I understand it, Rob, uh, the gentleman in question submitted a question and didn't read it out. And that, when you come to the Q&A rules of conduct, is kind of critical. You submit the question, you ask the question, and then where the panel engaging, if there's an opportunity, you can ask an unscripted follow-up or, or do what you need to do in that regard. He didn't ask the question. There have been situations in the past in Q&A where people haven't asked the scripted, you know, the approved question, and they've been called on it. They haven't been ejected for it, I acknowledge, but they've been called on it. Um, in this instance, it's, I think, a really difficult one because the gentleman asked it, or basically gauged his question from the point of view that uh, the, the Russian president is correct for his um, defence of the, the, the states within Ukraine that are being um, uh, attacked by Ukraine, that there are Nazis involved within the uh, Ukrainian regime and that that's why Russia are defending them. That is not the case. Nobody except Russia and maybe Belarus think that that's the case. It is patently untrue. People are dying because Vladimir Putin wants to take over the Ukraine again and is catching it behind this bullshit that I'm trying to defend them. It's just not true. Nobody disagrees with that. Sorry? Nobody disagrees with that. Except that when this person voices that view... It is fair for, A, it got called out as it did by Stan Grant and, and I sure. think a person on the panel, and then for Stan to later. And, look, I've never hosted Q&A. I, I don't understand the, the nuances of just how difficult it is to keep that conversation and that show going live. Um, I can understand why five minutes, 20 minutes, even at the end of the show, if Stan went, hey, mate, what you said was not on, it's time to go. Um, that he did it 20 minutes later, like I said, 20 seconds, whatever, 
he made the decision to remove the guy from the conversation because, to be frank, we don't know what could have come next had he hung around. He did sit <laughs> quite patiently and happily up until that point. Stan made an editorial decision live on air and he stands by it and the ABC stands by him. I don't understand why you're getting up in arms about this whole free speech notion when what the guy was saying was complete trash. Because we are not Russia. I don't agree with anything this guy said. I agree with every point you made about the war. Every point. But what I do have a problem with is when the ABC acts like a communist dictatorship like Russia and decides what can and can't be said. We are not in a society where we ban free speech, and that is what Q&A did. And you say we don't know what he was going to say next. You don't know what anyone's going to say next. He wasn't standing up. He wasn't arguing. He wasn't protesting. He wasn't causing a scene. To me, the aggressor in this situation is Stan Grant and the decisions he made, and it all comes from woke woke culture where if I feel uncomfortable, you're not allowed to say that because I want to wrap myself in a blanket and not be hurt. We live in a world where not everyone has the same viewpoint as you, and when we accept that and allow that to play out on television as it should in a civilised society where we can have disagreements, the better off we'll be. But the problem with the woke left on Twitter especially is they want everyone cancelled and ejected from the audience just like this guy when they don't agree with the views. It's as simple as that. Are we Russia or are we democratic, free society Australia? The the ABC reserves the right to have whoever they want in their audience asking whatever questions they feel that have been submitted are suitable. The guy broke the contract. The guy got booted. Oh, give me a Seriously. What's right? Rob, hypothetically... You're an executive producer of, I don't know, a morning show. You have a live studio Mm -hmm. audience. Somebody does something that is, you know, not in tune with that morning show and what goes on. Do they get to stay in the audience? Because they've expressed their right to free speech. Yeah, I'll answer your question. If I've given them a, 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 a situation where they can ask the hosts a question and they ask that question, I wouldn't eject them. I would turn it into a bigger conversation. I would happily let the hosts destroy them with facts, you know, challenge them and have that conversation. To me, that's more engaging as a piece of television than ejecting someone because you disagree with them. And that's what happened to you. And you've made an editorial decision the same way that Stan Grant did. I think he was wrong and I don't think he has a place on Australian TV if he can't handle people who disagree with him. So you want to cancel him? Do you know what? I said that in the tweet, and that's where you're going. I want to cancel. Uh, you know what? I don't care. But to me, Q&A is irrelevant. It doesn't have the relevance that it once had. And this is a perfect example of how the production team have destroyed what was once a great show. When they changed producers and um, Moved it. and had the whole change of host, I think they went woke. They destroyed it. And it was destroyed before it moved to Thursdays. Let's be very clear on this. Everyone says they should never have moved it to Thursdays, 100%. But this show was destroyed way before then. As soon as they put Hamish in and changed the production of it, they destroyed this show. Robbo, I've said all my piece. I'm not going to say any more. Robbo, you wanted to jump in. 
I think the problem with it is it happened on this particular show. So Q&A is, is about having questions, having answers, having discussions with people. Uh, my problem with this particular event is that it happened on that show. It didn't happen on any other format of show. It happened on this Q&A show. So uh, that's what worries me when if you're having a debate or having a discussion – when you start shutting that down in that particular way. You want to have these kind of robust discussions. And I, I understand the argument that uh, what he was saying was untrue, uh, but is there a better way to use that as a discussion piece rather than make it into a stunt of yes. being kicked out of the studio audience? Yes. Um, is it about, you know, having that that talk with the panel, having that talk with the with the audience, possibly having a little bit more of a talk with him as opposed to kicking him out of a Q&A audience for a discussion. That's what worries me here. Absolutely. I'm going to give Mark the final word on this unless anyone else wants to jump in. And, Mark, here's a deal. I will not jump in. You say whatever you want. And I want to make one last point before I do that. Obviously, attacking Stan Grant means I'm racist, so save your emails and tweets. I get it. I'm racist. Mark. <laughs> I love you, Rob. <laughs> I, I agree, though not for the same reasons with you, Rob, about Q&A has, you know, become, gone into murky waters and is long beyond what it has been as a show. Mm. Um, mm. I agree in part with you, Robbo, that, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not confident that a conversation... Even just sort of acknowledging that what the, the the point of view that you know Russia aren't the aggressors in this Ukrainian conflict, that a conversation around that is going to be helpful, because it will be, let's be fair, minutes of airtime solving nothing. There are people dying right now. There are young people who have been you know forced into horrendous kind of situations to try and escape the war, just because this has gone. The fact that we've talked about it this long, and I appreciate the reason for it. Blah blah blah. Um, we've solved nothing. In, in talking about it, um, there are other ways that we can engage in it. And I think that, you know, the, the panel spending time going, well, you're wrong and here's the reasons why you're wrong, actually doesn't solve anything because Australia's policy is that Russia are invading. Um, any reasonable person who is in touch with um, any kind of news service will go, Russia are invading. Um, there's no ifs and buts about that. And anything else is smokescreen you know, kind of bullshit coming out of Russia. Um, so yeah. it was bold of this person to stand up and, and ask that question and, and to defend, you know, someone who he thinks is, is admirable in the president of, of Russia. Um, he holds a minority view globally. And and it's a, a difficult position to try and discuss because nobody on the panel was really there to discuss it. It wasn't actually really, you know, the the... the the topic du jour for the evening. I think the way I took it, and I could be wrong here, was that it wasn't necessarily his viewpoint or, or the question that he was asking. I think the line that got Stan and, and the audience was when he said, there are a lot of Russians here and around the world who support what Putin's doing in Ukraine, myself included. And I, the issue is that he's advocating for violence. And I think a line like that, whether that's how he interpreted it to, to be seen... Um, I think that's a stretch, if I can just say that. I think... He supports Putin who's saying this is a fight for freedom. Now, we all know that's bullshit. We all know that. And please be very careful that I am on the side of Ukraine in this conflict. But there are Russians that think like him. That doesn't mean he's inciting violence. He's not asking people to, in the streets, get up and kill a Ukrainian in, in, in George Street, Sydney. He's 
showing a viewpoint of this war. And when it comes to war, there are always two sides and two agendas and people have views. Sorry, Matthew. I guess then it just comes back to Malk's point about how Australia is looking at it and that Russia's invading and and really attacking Ukraine. And I think that's where the violence comes into it. And that's why Stan ejected him. Whether he should have in the 20 minute later and and all of that, I I think at the core of it, it's what that um, gentleman was doing. And seemingly, from Stan's perspective, um, inciting violence in a way. Mm. I don't. I, I just don't think it was inciting violence. But, Mulk, please know, you know I love you. I love yeah. having a great discussion with Mulk. It's one of my favourite things in life, actually, and people think we're arguing. We're not. We're having a discussion. I oh, know, we were arguing. We'll go and have a it's beer fine. when we catch up next. Sorry? We were arguing, but it's okay. Yeah. Friends do that. They have different views. Anyway... They've done it again. After TV, Black Box exposed Channel 10 using fake tweets to pump up their shows in promos back in 2019. The network has decided enough time has passed to try and bullshit us all over again. Last time it was the ill-conceived Rove Variety Show on Saturday nights. This time it's for the upcoming NCIS Sydney. Malk, you spotted this one. Can you tell me what they've done, please? Yeah, I was just uh, caught a promo this afternoon, in fact, watching 10 News, and uh, during it, it was a promo, NCIS Sydney is coming, as a sort of backhanded promo for NCIS that airs on Tuesday nights. Great, fabulous, well done, well played. Um, And in it, they threw in the standard kind of, you know, here's people are excited about the fact that NCIS Sydney is coming, and... It just kind of, it flashed past me and I went, I went back and said, I have to find out. I have to look at what they said and I have to <laughs> well, look at who these form. people are, right? <laughs> I have to look at who these people are because who is that excited? Oh, I'm excited was one of them from, I don't know, Frankie McFlatface or something. Uh, <laughs> and and when I had a look and went looking for the Twitter handles and then I even went deeper and looked for their Instagram accounts and uh, Facebook, they don't exist. Uh, one of them exists, but is a locked account and Channel 10 don't follow it. So I don't know how they've even picked up. I, I don't follow them as well. So I don't know what they've said. They very well could have said it. Uh, but one account flat out does not exist. Completely fake. Uh, and it's, it's. I thought we would be on this, right? It's 2022. If people are that pumped about your thing, and there are plenty. I mean, our very own Sarah Monahan is pumped about NCI Sydney and has tweeted about it. Surely you could have picked up one of her tweets or maybe, you know, it might have upset someone. Uh, look, it's it's just a diabolical situation when either your promo team are allowed to slip that through and no one fact checks it or somebody is directing the promo team to come up with bullshit stuff that they're just sliding into promos because they expect everyone to just go, oh, wait, someone's excited about NCIS Sydney. It's faking tweets is so 2019, Philip. <laughs> 2019. I've got to say, when we caught them out doing it then, but interestingly, Mulk, I was squizzing through 10 News up here in Queensland mm-hmm. to try and find the promo, and there was a promo for um, the Doghouse. Is that what it's called? Doghouse Australia, yes. Doghouse Australia. And it had a screen full of great quotes mm. with just names of people. Mm. No Twitter accounts, no... Facebook, no idea where it's from. So, Narelle Stevenson, it's brilliant, like you said. Great. I'm wondering whether this has been fake too. Channel 10 can't get any actual positive comments, Philip, that they have to make this shit up again. Well, it, it doesn't say a lot about their confidence in NCIS Australia or Sydney, <laughs> whatever it is, does it? And, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we've all experienced it, you know, whether it's TripAdvisor or whatever, and, you know, you can tell a fake 
review pretty quickly. And I just don't understand with all the resources they've got, you know, some of the best known actors in the world. Why would you have to fake things for publicity for this show? I just there's I your first mistake, Philip. Resources. It's actually resource <laughs> singular. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't wait for the reply when I contact Channel Ten tonight because last time uh, they said it was down to human error. Of What's course. What's this one? Doggy error. All right. For Wing TV, it's apparently a lose-lose situation. The regional broadcaster has come out saying they effectively pay twice to broadcast news on the network. They pay once to Nine News and the other to broadcast their own local bulletins. Steve Jockett from Wynn said they make no money from the news service but still produce more than the legislated requirement. Matthew, this is an interesting one because um, they have a point. Local news is important to local regions. I've worked on local news services at Prime TV in Wollongong and Canberra. And Win are right. They pay a content affiliation fee for Channel 9. So they pay for 24 hours programming. So whenever they deviate, it essentially costs them money. And that's their point here. This That's what they're saying, that when they decide to take a half hour out of Nine's programming and put in their own local news bulletin, that's a double cost. And they actually have a point. Um, I know people have come and had a go at winning comment sections and all that kind of stuff, but I actually do get where they're coming from here. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I still think local news is important. Um, not that I've ever been in a regional area to get local news. My news has always been the metro um, bulletin. But yeah, especially as a young journo, uh, fresh out of uni, uh, a lot of my friends that I had at uni have gone and relocated regionally. And that's kind of where you start as a, as a broadcast yeah. TV journalist. You start yeah. out in Rockhampton or Townsville or wherever it is. So if we keep making these cuts and, and we see that these regional and local news bulletins are, are going, then where are our, us young journos? Where are we going to get started? We can't get started in Brisbane because that's where all the hotshots are. So, like, where are we going to get started? Like, already journalism is such a tough industry to, to get a, a, a look in. And, and if we keep seeing this decline, then it's not, it's not going to be great news. So, Robbo, do you think the government should be helping and propping up Win and Prime and Southern Cross, for that matter, if to to have local news services, you know, if these parliamentarians, if these members of parliament want local news in their regions in an age of nationalism, uh, maybe they have to put up or shut up. Yeah, I think that local news is incredibly important to rural and regional areas in Australia. Basically, a lot of those markets are only serviced by the ABC uh, and people do lap up that news content, whether it's uh, from a council meeting uh, or a local business, whatever it is, people are turning to the ABC and or uh, local newspapers that uh, there are some still out there that are, uh, you know, publishing maybe once a week. Uh, It is important. I would like to see more uh, funding from government into Mm. local news services in regional areas because people want it. I think it's important for the cohesiveness of uh, of a community. I think that's important to know. It also keeps people, holds people to account. So we're talking about those local councils. There needs to be a media overview of those places. Otherwise, you start getting into very, very dicey territory. Robbo, that's what Uh, a current affair is for. Yeah, but they're but are they going to do Bunbury Regional Council? I don't think they so. They will if they make uh, a big I mean, enough mess of it. Yeah, well, that's true. That is true. But I just I think it's very important, and I, I think the government has a responsibility to keep uh, to keep those communities informed about themselves. 
Yeah. Well, they didn't. Uh, they didn't step in and assist country newspapers when News Limited closed down hundreds of them. Yeah. Uh, and all those journalist jobs were lost. And you know, I'm not going to advocate for journalist jobs. Obviously, the, all these things are businesses, and they need to make money. But there is an argument to say that the government should support regional news services, be it a newspaper or radio or or um, TV. The the difference is that as part of your licensing licensing agreement on free to air television, the um, federal parliament has put in conditions that you supply a certain level of news. So that doesn't exist for papers because they just start up. They don't need a licence to go and sell a newspaper in in the town. But TV needs a licence to broadcast and there's very strict rules surrounding that. So that's why if the government wants this local news, we're saying then you have to put in some money for it. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Free-to-air television's in a pretty bad state, you know, I think there there are some pundits that don't think it'll exist in ten years, so I, I don't know that that's realistic. Yep, I think that's fair. Well, to the ratings race now, where Married at First Sight continues to be the exception to the rule, bringing in huge numbers both live and on catch-up. A current affair is also doing great business for Nine, who are seemingly miles ahead of their competition. On Seven, both Dancing with the Stars and SAS Australia slipped on last week's figures, with Dancing bringing in 596,000 on Sunday night and SAS Australia on just 383,000 on Monday. Ten has had a slightly better week, landing itself in third place on more than a few nights. Celebrity Gogglebox Australia delivered 571,000 on Thursday night. It was a great show. And Australian Survivor is just hanging in there with the late 400,000s. As expected, the second episode of Would I Lie to You tanked significantly on the premiere. <laughs> yes, it really is a turkey. <laughs> it's back. Yes. Only 343,000 viewers tuned in. That was down nearly 150,000. It also didn't perform overly well on BVOD, not even cracking the top five shows when it came to percentage lift. Um, I've got to say, Mulk, no big surprises would I lie to you dropped off already. It was only ever going to be thus, Rob. Uh, yes, and it was. If I can just take a moment, actually, we probably need to have a moment silence for, for two things. One is, would I lie to Australia, which I can't see doing much better. It'll just die in the arse. Um, and also, for the realisation for Paul Matthew that the, the career he's got himself into is actually dead before it started. Oh, um, come on. God bless you, Matty. <laughs> there, no, there's always a place for content. And, always. And I Who's think, Paul Matthew? I think content... We'll just go to streaming. News services will go to streaming. It'll be fine, Matthew. You'll have a job. Um, oh, Matthew. I thought you said Paul Matthew. <laughs> I thought, who's Paul Matthew? Paul, Paul. Matthew. Uh, Paul Ma- Matthew, Sorry, you follow the ratings Paul? race close, closely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you make of the last week? Um, you know, for, for a while there, I thought SAS was going to be in a bit of trouble. Um, you know, starting with 300K overnight, and I think they even launched with 300-something Um yeah, that's just crazy. But I thought the 44% lift um, for last Monday's episode, taking it to 800K, I could see that. Is it going to shift into the kind of Love Island sphere where people don't need to watch it live and they can catch it later? And I've seen both the Uncensored and the um, Censored episodes. And personally, I prefer the Uncensored. It just brings that authenticity a bit better. Um, <laughs> it's only swearing that's Uncensored, Robo. I don't want to be celebrity oh. tittle bum. Oh. 
I was about to turn it on. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's your word. Um, so yeah, I, I think possibly that's where it's going to go, and maybe it'll stick around. But I, I still don't think starting with a three is a great overnight number. Um, and are we really surprised with what I lie to you? We had so many poor reviews last podcast that um, I think people would check it out for episode one and um, aren't gonna, are definitely not going to return. Oh, that show's misunderstood. That was a fantastic program. I don't understand why it didn't work. I just thought it was amazing. Now, is that statement true or false, everyone? <laughs> yeah. Well, I took Robbo's tip and tried to watch it and I flicked over to watch Media Watch in the, in the middle of didn't it. Didn't come back. And I was a little bit shocked it was still going when I flicked back. It's like, <laughs> oh, my it never God. stopped. It just kept going. I had going. an interesting conversation with somebody who worked on what I like, because it's all in the can now, um, mm. with someone who worked on it, and they heard our conversation last week about the criticisms and agreed with us and, and dropped me this clanger. For an hour, 48 minutes of television, five-hour filming. That's oh, come on, that's wow. ridiculous. If you're having to film for five hours, you don't know what you're doing because no. those comedians are going to be wow. dead at the five-hour mark. They're not delivering Everyone's going to be flat. No one's going to yeah. be interested. And it'll make the edit a nightmare because you've then got to be able to cobble together this story and hope that everybody's responding well in the time to be able to throw cutaways and stuff at it. It's such a mess. Such a Look, mess. And I don't want to be wow. that guy, but I do it very well. I called it the moment this was announced at their upfronts. I said, this is a piece of shit that won't work. And lo and behold, it was. You know, the fact is the UK version works very well. It does very, very well. It just didn't seem the kind of show that to me that would work in an Australian market. It didn't seem the kind of thing that was must-watch. It didn't have the history. The UK one's got history. It's been around when television was dominant. Now when you're fighting for eyeballs... Why is a show about celebrities lying with lame-ass stories going to get me in? It's not. Well, it, the, and the stories were lame, and we said this last week. They were just lame, so they were going to grab you. I would have preferred to see a local version of 8 Out of 10 Cats. Oh, I love that, that, that to show. to me seems And to even 8 more... Out of 10 Cats does Countdown. Oh, yeah. Some of my favourite. There, there it. is. It's called Celebrity Letters and Numbers on SBS yeah. on Saturday night. I know, but I haven't watched that. Coming up, the ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston, reveals why he won't appear in multi-Doctor stories. And MasterChef is back. Plus, we reveal what shows we've all been watching this week because you're listening to TV Blacklist. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. All right. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches. The MasterChef Kitchen is open for business with Network 10 announcing the premiere date for its new Fans V Favourites edition. Monday the 18th of April is the big day where we'll see 12 rookies and 12 seasoned veterans cook off the title of MasterChef Australia. Christopher Eccleston, the ninth Doctor in the long-running sci-fi series Doctor Who, has ruled out returning for a multi-Doctor story. 
Speaking about the popular special episodes, which see incarnations of the Doctor interact with each other, he had this to say. I always think that multi-Doctor stories are a bit of a cash-in and a bit of exploitation. Oh, what a wet blanket. Go back into the TARDIS. And he's so wrong. I love a multi-Doctor story. Uh, He's just angry about everything. Yeah, he is. And finally, Christian Jansen has been appointed as Queensland News Director at Win News. Previously, he has worked as the National Weekend Sports Editor for 10 News First, a news presenter for 2GB, and across all major Australian TV networks, including Fox Sports News and Sky News Australia. What an absolute tart. But congratulations to him. <laughs> That's Hatches and Dispatches. Rob, back to you. Thank you. Now it's time for TV Binge Box. I'll start this week because I'm keeping my list very short. I don't want to read the TV guide again. And I've got to say, <laughs> on the weekend, I saw The Batman. And I don't care if it's three hours long. There is not one bit of filler in that movie. Just absolute brilliant. And I think oh. R. Pats is brilliant as Bruce Wayne slash The Batman. And those who don't like him just want sexy R. Pats, let's be honest. Uh, Part I've of the also reason been... why it's three hours long is because they talk this quickly. <laughs> Um, he also has really bad personal hygiene. Oh. It's a bit on the pong. Oh, that would be why everyone was stepping away from him in the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we talked about movies now? What is this, a TV podcast or is this a movie? Um, no, I got I've you, also but... been watching The Gadget Man on Amazon Prime Video. I love that show with um, Moss from The It Crowd. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say it crowd from now on. It's my new thing. Um, and, uh, and and Media Watch every week is uh, just so insightful, such a delight to watch. Yeah, the way it breaks down issues and what's going on, uh, full props to the team that makes that show. All right, uh, Matthew, what have you been watching? Um, yeah, anyone who knows me, I know that I'm an Australian Survivor diehard fan, so catching that every week and keeping up to date with it and all the mayhem that happens on Twitter after it. Um, look, it's been a good season, but I'm just not quite happy with the editing. Um, about three of the last nine people really seem like they could win. Um, so I don't know what they're doing. feels like Isn't every that season. Isn't good editing? No, but you, well, you want to keep the audience guessing. You want people to, to not expect it's these people. Um, so when someone else gets voted out, it's, it's like, oh, what, what does it matter? They, they weren't really going to win at all. Ah, um, gotcha. Um, also rewatching random US seasons of Survivor because that's just what I do in my spare time. Uh, also started the final season of Shameless. It just dropped on Netflix. Um, the show was kind of declining a bit in quality the last few, but I think it's really picked up now that COVID's into it for the last season. Um, quite like it. And, you know, some SAS and Dance with the Star, just fast-forwarding what I want to watch there. You, of course, will know, Matthew, that uh, Season 42 of US Survivor kicks off this yes. Thursday night on 9Go. That's it. Very excited. Hopefully it, it keeps going and we get to 50 and 60 and, and who knows, maybe 100. Wow. Reanimate Jeff Probst's corpse to host anything after yeah. 50? <laughs> Possibly. Uh, Philip, what have you been watching? Well, I've been watching Shane on Amazon Prime for obvious reasons. It's the relatively new documentary about Shane Warne. Um, Obviously, he collaborated with it and his children are interviewed. Uh, A whole bunch of other people are interviewed. It is really a very good documentary. What was interesting about that is it was featured on Celebrity Gogglebox. So I think not only had people watched the documentary, but you felt like you'd seen it with Celebrity Gogglebox and literally... We watched it maybe on Friday. Yeah, it must have been Friday with the family. 
And uh, then, of course, he died Saturday morning, and it was just like, oh my god, we were just yeah, watching crazy. that. So, and all across uh, every news report subsequent, they have been using clips from that thing to death. Yeah, absolutely. Pardon the pun. Well, and, and the other, the other good, you know, if you want to fix it, Shane, then iView also has Lee Sales' seven thirty interview with him from a couple of years ago. Lee Sales actually said he was top of her interview wish list mm. for six or seven years. Uh and, look, it's a good interview. I don't think it breaks any new ground. And uh, clearly I think she was a little bit starstruck, which was curious to see because uh, that doesn't often happen. Mm. Uh, so, look, that, that's really fascinating for all the Shane Warne fans. Uh, to change to change uh, lanes a little bit, um, I also watched the first couple episodes of Pieces of Her, which is the new Tony Collette thriller on um, Netflix, and it's absolutely superb. It's it's Tony Collette at her very best. It's also got um, Bella Heathcote in it, who's another young Australian actor or another or an Australian actress. Uh, and David Wenham, uh, I, I can't wait to re- watch the rest of that series. I think uh, it's just it's quite gripping. You know, it's obviously very dark. Um, you know, it's, it's a mother-daughter show basically and Tony Collette plays the mother uh, and the daughter finds out about her mother's dark past is essentially the premise cool uh and just to have a little bit more violence in my life i also caught uh watched the whole series of vikings valhalla which um is a follow-on from vikings it's set 100 years after the viking series so if you love vikings you're going to like this you might might not love it but you'll definitely like it (laughs) uh and just for a bit of light relief, uh, I also watched uh, the start of season four of Killing Eve, which of course is about a, a Russian um, assassin. <laughs> it's got uh, Jodie Comer playing the Russian assassin, and Sandra Oh plays the supposed good good girl. But let me tell you, Sandra Oh turns badass in this series, and that's a lot of fun to watch. Mm. Um, Malk, uh, Philip just mentioned Netflix and. They announced a local commission, was it this week? And I actually thought, oh, this one sounds interesting, but I can't remember what it was. Do you remember? Yeah, they're, they're turning the Trent Dalton book, uh, yes. Boy, Boy Meets World, I think it is. Mm. Boy um, Meets Universe? Uh, sorry, thank you. Um, in, into a, a television series with some really good people involved in the writing and those sorts of things. So I think there's going to be some great, some great stuff to come from that. Excellent work, Netflix Australia. Sounds like a great commission to me because I've been a bit down on some of the things they've been Oh, have you? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> Boy Swallows Universe, just to correct the record. Thank you. you. Get, thank you, Matthew. You get nothing but honesty from me, Mulk, <laughs> and that's just how it is. And when I like it, I like it. When I don't, I don't. Robbo, what have you been watching? Um, I've been watching The X-Files on the Disney+. Plus. Uh, that's just starting up on season 10, so that new kind of revamped season. Very excited. Loving it. Absolutely. It's good to see Scully and Mulder back on the screen for me. Okay, and bring us home, Malk. Thanks, Rob. I uh, have been all over the place, all over the dial, as you'd expect, watching Married at First Sight. I cannot get enough of that trash. Oh, my God. It is deeply ingrained in my cerebellum, uh, and and this week especially. I mean, the promo that Nine dropped at the start of the week for an unmissable week of maths, they are not wrong. There is going to be some big stuff blow up on Sunday night. I wanted to watch, and I was going to break my rule of not watching every episode because that primer got me in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can probably jump in. You just won't understand the nuance. 
Rob, yeah. of who hates who and why they hate each other. Um, so There's really nuance in Married at First Sight? No, Phil, not at all. <laughs> the, the, the whole show is as deep as a puddle that someone stepped in. Um, it's, it's not great. But still fun to watch and still awesome to go, that's not me. I'm with you, Matthew. Australian Survivor on 10 uh, has been the best series of the, that franchise in Australia yet, and it's deeply disappointing that it's not getting any of the money that it should be. Last week tonight with John Oliver on Fox 8, oh, still yeah. brilliant on Monday nights. Mm. Um, the Circus is back on Stan, and that was actually a bit of a weekend of Stan, actually, because I dived through that. I raced through um, Tiger King 2, which was just offensive. Um, and I did that because I watched every episode of Joe versus Carol, uh, which is a fiction. Uh, I won't say it's a fictionalized, but like it's a dramatic take on the Joe Exotic v. Carol. Any What's good? Her face? It's in my Dunno basket. <laughs> it's it's seriously in my Dunno basket because I, it's not it's not outright crap. However, I'm going to watch that this week. It's not spectacular. Um, I'm calling some, that our Turkey of the Week. <laughs> there's some um, great Aussie actors in it. Jenna Owen from SBS's The Feed and and uh, uh, Freudian Nip is in it. Darren Gilson pops up. Uh, it was filmed in Brisbane entirely. Um, so the suburb of Hemant has uh, played out as Oklahoma uh, and a couple of other American places. <laughs> finally, finally the gobble gobble. Um, yeah, I still, Sorry, I still don't the know. The playback's having a bit of an issue. Sorry. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm enjoying it nonetheless. It's always fun. Uh, I am deep in the previews of We Crashed, which is coming shortly to Apple TV+. Plus. Um, that is an, an incredible, again, fictional dramatic take on um, the WeWork um, founders who basically got booted, voted out by the board after just dropping millions of dollars a year um, uh, as a startup. And in the same, I think I mentioned Dropout last week that's coming to um, Disney Plus, um, another great example of a, a, a startup that just went belly up before it even really started to kick off. But the big one I wanted to talk about was the finale of The After Party on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, this was a delightful eight-episode, uh, sort of 30 to 40-minute comedic look at a high school reunion one of the people from high school has become famous everyone goes back to their house and that person oh, yeah. ends up dead in episode one and you don't find out until the very final episode who done it each episode is a different person from the party's view on what happened uh including an entirely animated episode and you know, yeah, the it's a episode. different style each episode, isn't yeah, it, Mark? a different take from the different characters on, on what's happening. I really enjoyed it. It's been renewed for a second season, so expect that next year. Heaps of fun, a very easy, wet afternoons viewing uh, on Apple TV+. Plus. The After Party, super good. That's pretty awesome. And um, on the Sophie Formica show on 4BC that I produced, she spoke to Paul Feig today. Yes. The... Um, uh, you know, the director of Bridesmaids, Ghostbusters and all those films. Um, he's producing a new show that will air, which will stream, I should say, on Stan from next Thursday called Minx. And I've only seen the tr- teaser and heard him talk about it. i got to say, he sold me on it. I'm very interested. It's set in the 70s and it's basically a feminist who wants to publish a feminist magazine and ends up working with this guy and creating... Essentially what's Playgirl, you know, with nude male models and everything like that. But um, it's called Minx in this version. And it's while inspired by Play Playgirl, it wasn't it's not about Playgirl. So it's its own little 
drama. It, it sounds really interesting. Looks good. Is there an uncensored version of that particular series as well? I don't know. The teaser didn't right, okay. show any dangly bits, but maybe it does in the actual show. I, I don't know. It's got That's full so unromantic. There you go, Robert. Wait, what, what show was that? What it's show, on where Stan I find that? from next Thursday. It's called Minx, okay. M-I-N-X. Yep, Stan, yep. Minx. Back to Done. you, Robbo. Thank you for that. And oh. that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. Thank you for your company, and don't forget, for the stories everyone in the industry will be talking about tomorrow, you can see them today right there on tvblackbox.com.au. It's where people in the TV industry get their news. This episode was written and produced by Abby Mickelson with additional support and writing from David Robinson. Thank you for your company. Matthew, it was a great first-round effort on yes, the TV well Black Box podcast. Oh, thank you so well much, done, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Robbo. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.